1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions
2: 18 plus. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network.
0: Hey
3: everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Screen Heroes. My name is Ray and my voice did crack upon first introduction. So that's cool. I am joined She's by, going puberty yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> it happens to all of us. It
3: does. <laughs> anyway, my two co-hosts are here, regular and handsome as always, Ryan Hi. and Derek.
2: I thought you were saying like regular and like diet or something. I, I wasn't sure <laughs> where which that was of us going. Which one is diet? Which one is regular? I think we both know the answer to that. <laughs> Neither of us. None of us are diet yeah, anything. Sure. <laughs> like, regular if any, plus ultra. Yeah. <laughs> it's like classic and new. There so you go. We go. With the cokes, we're more I'm, like cokes. I think. I'm
3: regular plus extra cheese. That's mm. that's me. I'm more yeah, of a Huda. grilled
2: onions guy. Everybody loves.
3: And you're bacon. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
4: You put us all together. Yeah, it's Delicious. a hell of a pizza. Fun <laughs>
3: fact: pizza. I once made Ryan an entire package of bacon as a snack for D yeah. and D session. This was a few years ago, but yeah. yeah what, what are we, we doing? doing? Who are we? Uh, this is Screen Heroes, <laughs> and this is the Derek first time we're <laughs> starting a food podcast. We decided so
2: <laughs> keep your eyes open for that, or your ears, I should say. Shouldn't that be more of a web series though? Don't try no. to be able to see the food. Maybe I don't know. Is that like an Instagram thing? You know.
3: should call it the Foodie Booty.
2: The Foodie Booty. It's <laughs> a booty? You'll just have to watch the show to find out. <laughs> or listen to it. Sure. Depending on what format. All
3: good right, talk, guys. guys.
2: That was a good intro. Strong. <laughs> so Best tonight... <sighs>
3: Tonight we are discussing the 1999 movie Mystery Men, and I hope you'll be discussing it with us because it is heck of fun.
2: It's our 20th anniversary discussion of Mystery Men. So
3: not our 20th anniversary, Mystery Men's 20th anniversary. Oh, no, I'm only 20. Oh, okay. That's fair.
2: I started losing my hair when I was 12. Yeah. That that tracks. That tracks, yeah. But you had a full beard at eight. I did. I did. It's true. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah.
4: His anyway, his chest hair was at three,
3: <sighs> and his first erection. Oh,
4: <laughs> we don't know. We can't confirm that.
2: I didn't That's, track. That. I mean, That's your hearsay. mom
3: <laughs> took pictures. It's on your baby book. You know, she did the mom thing. That's probably true. Anyway, so let's talk <laughs> news before we
2: jump into our main segment,
3: like we do. So, guys, you want to talk dark crystal? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Talk that, it. What three? August 30th, so like yeah.
2: And next week, we're actually going to do kind of a rewatch discussion of the film
3: mm-hmm. in preparation
2: for the show, even though the show is a prequel, but this will kind of help refresh.
4: And Rachel and Derek have promised that they're not only going to watch the movie, but they're also going to watch the hour and a half behind the scenes uh, documentary.
3: Dude, I can do it. Let's do it. On the
4: Blu-ray. I'll do so
3: it. Let's make this happen. I'll watch they're it. they are
2: devoting double the time, so kudos to you two for that. I'm the one who bought the Blu ray when it first came out years ago. Like, I love that thing. So, yes, we are doing that. But discussing the trailer itself, did both of you guys watch it? Yes. Yes. I know you hadn't watched it. We watched it together. Okay. I do a lot of trailer watching Tuesday evenings before the show. Gotcha. That is fresh. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. And this one just happened to come out today anyway. Super convenient. Um,
4: Impressions?
3: Thoughts? Absolutely gorgeous.
2: It's so pretty. Like there's the toward the like the end of the trailer has so many flashes of things. It's hard to know everything without doing like a pause and right. framed frame by frame. But I mean everything just looks it looks so detailed, it looks so colorful and beautiful and um nothing looks even mediocre. Like
4: no, everything right. just
2: looks really, really
4: great. Yeah.
3: Well, we're getting some really special things here, you know, because of the nature of the dark crystal Film. it's not like they really had to put a ton of work into all these different Gelflings. But now there are many different Gelfling clans and they all look slightly different and they have each and every one of them represented here. So it's pretty fun to like pause the trailers and try to match up what clan is to what Gelfling. So that's really cool. Uh, we're seeing an increase of the environmental creatures as mm-hmm. well.
4: Which is gorgeous. And that's one thing that was great in the first movie, too, is like there's no scene without something in the background that's alive and moving, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's a little like bug scurrying on the ground or like a plant with 100 tendrils. Yeah. You know, there's always something. Um, And a lot of the creatures and I don't even know if they're creatures, plants, whatever in this look very cool, too, Mm -hmm. and very true to the original. I did get a complaint on Twitter from somebody. I don't know if you guys saw this. They agreed with me that the trailer looks good, but they said that the way that every puppeteer makes a puppet run, a humanoid puppet run with like the bouncy shoulders says so that, said so that bothered her a lot. Um, I, th- I said, I didn't mind that because that's the way it was in the original one. And so they were trying to be true to the source. Um, and also that's kind of what I grew up with seeing. And
2: yeah, I didn't movies, even so. notice. To be yeah. Honest.
4: It's probably because it's what you're used to. So yeah. you haven't really seen anything other than that.
3: There's a lot that can be explained like practicality wise that's just could be the easiest way to get puppets to run <laughs> and if you want to do it story wise then that could just be how gravitational yeah, pull it has of slightly the planet less gravity like than it, what we have yeah. exactly so plenty of reasoning really easy that person just wants to nitpick and honestly if that's what keeps you from watching this beautiful series it's you don't deserve it anyway. It's right.
4: a very small gripe to have. Exactly. Like, and the voices all seem pretty good. We didn't get to hear, you know, all of the amazing voice cast in this trailer,
2: but mm-hmm. we did get to hear, you know, the uh, the at least the main one and a couple others. Yeah. Um, so. They're definitely being secretive. Like they're showing us that the production quality is very high. This trailer shows the story, more story though. This. A li- I mean it. it... The other
4: ones show the almost no story. It was literally all just like eye candy. Yeah. yeah. This one had at least, you know, narration by the main character, you know, so it was a little That's more story.
2: True. It, just, it feels like they're playing it kind of close to the vest and maybe the, I don't, I don't know, maybe they just want it to be a secret. Maybe it's because anybody who's seen the movie knows how things end yeah. up and so they don't feel the need to have a lot of exposition in the trailer. But
3: That's the only apprehension I have going into this is that this series depending on if they're planning a season 2 or not this is going to end in some sort of heartbreak yeah and that's the main issue like i'm i'm going to watch it i'm going to love it i'm going to prepare and make dark crystal themed foods it's what i'm going to yeah. do I but Rock candy, just a ton of rock candy. And also, you guys have
4: to be in a bath while you're doing it, and then you just go, "We're
3: having a bath, the whole time,
4: yes, and we're gonna make some little crystal bats to hang from the ceiling,
3: yes, yeah." We'll live stream oh, us yeah. watching it have, from the bathroom. You bath guys probably stuff.
4: don't even remember that scene in the original,
3: <laughs> but when you guys
2: re-watch it, it's gonna stand out so much to you now. I mean, it's ridiculous. Oh man. Anyway, yeah. All right, so let let's move on because we will be talking a lot of dark crystal yeah. next week. So, yes. let's let's move on to the next topic. Um, one small topic I'll just get out of the way here is today it was announced that CBS and Viacom are remerging; they're merging back together. They split in two thousand three, two thousand two, um, and this is a a big deal for for a few different reasons. They have just billions of dollars in properties between the two of them, and the big piece is Star Trek. So when they when the company split, Viacom kept the movie rights to Star Trek, whereas um, CBS kept the television rights. So that's why Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard exist in what's known as the prime timeline, and the movies that we've had recently since 2009 exist in the Kelvin timeline, and it's a reboot and things look different and all, all that kind of stuff. So now that the rights are under one roof again, who knows what we may see, it means that... Theoretically, they could make prime timeline movies and they can make Kelvin timeline TV shows and have a lot of, you know, crisscross stuff there. So as a Trekkie, that's pretty cool. It's big news, Uh, of course, as you know, all mergers result in some kinds of layoffs. um, From what I understand, those will mostly come from the administrative back office end of things because the rest of the productions are different enough that they'll need those people. But people who work in. Any other back office administrative areas, there could be some some duplicated efforts um, that that will end up with layoffs, which, of course, is sad. We don't ever want that. But um, that happened today. So there you go.
3: So talking about layoffs, Luke Crate is filing bankruptcy. Chapter one. Chapter 11.
2: Chapter 11. Chapter
3: 11. I don't know. So
2: Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which means they're not closing. It's basically a total restructure, especially of debt and assets, to try and keep the company moving along. They laid off 50 people. They only have 60 left, so they laid off almost half of their workforce. And, um, you know, it's kind of big news. Lucrate's tried over the years to diversify, and they've got you know video game-specific boxes and anime-specific boxes, but um, I guess...
3: I think the fad for subscription boxes that are blind boxes it's are just... Yeah,
2: I, it's I think it's done. Also,
4: Loot Crate kind of, you know, when they first started, it was pretty cool. They had some good stuff, but then the value seemed to slowly kind of decline. That's why I stopped using Absolutely. their service, but
3: they started posting after the block box came out they started posting the individual items for sale so i started buying the stuff that yeah. only i wanted and that's how i got some of my collectibles that i truly love but i still haven't seen one full box where i was like i need that whole thing so
2: right yeah i mean i definitely tried it out for a little while just like you know i tried out the marvel collector core and the DC. Those definitely had it was. more
3: value, but still, every single box was not something I was interested in.
2: Well, back when I, I mean, I did loot crate when it first came out, and at that point, it was anything pop culture. It yeah. could have been anything. Whereas, you know, at least like the Marvel Collector Core, it was at least Marvel, right? So if you got that and you were mad that there was Marvel stuff in there, that's on you. No, I. <laughs> you know,
3: but, I was mad we got Morbius pops and yeah. like. I want really cool special edition Captain America, like one costume he wore in one issue. or I want that kind of stuff. I don't want these C and D-list characters. So like,
2: it was a mix because we also got like the flock Chewbacca and the Star Wars yeah. one, for example, and that one was pretty cool. Um, th- there were cool ones, don't get me wrong, but yeah, you're right. It wasn't all the time. It wasn't mm-hmm. every box. and um, Yeah, so I guess we'll have to see what Loot Crate does to adjust at this point i mean it's one thing to cut costs but at some point you have to generate revenue so yeah it's
3: true all right so moving on let's talk disney there's disney news
2: there's always going to be disney news i feel like yeah at this so point. i'll start
4: off on a little bit lighter note um <laughs> they had an auction for uh, if you if you watch the netflix shows that you know they're all canceled unfortunately all the netflix marvel shows they did an auction for a lot of the merchandise from those shows mm-hmm. recently, and it's kind of got prop collectors in a tizzy because all the stuff went for insanely high prices for TV show props. Right. Um, for example, uh, the most expensive item in the lot was um, the a season two Daredevil suit, full suit.
2: Cool. Full, all with all the, the hell, with the cowl and everything.
4: A Cowl, uh, batons, or Billy clubs whatever, yeah. Went for sixty five thousand. That was one of like six of the suits. Um, the next two cheapest ones went for fifty five thousand each. It's one of those,
2: actually as, it's not as high as I anticipated. To it, be honest, with it you. was.
4: It, I think they're estimated at thirty thousand. Oh wow, really? So that's a lot for TV show costumes. Fair um, one of the showrunners was one of the ones he tweeted about it. He's like, I, I just paid fifty five grand for a Daredevil suit, and it's going to go in my office. So that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, <laughs> Most of the stuff was Daredevil. Uh, there was a loop cage, the creation tub that he gets like injected in, mm-hmm. uh, and it didn't sell for some reason. I guess there was a reserve on it, and it didn't get met, so that's kind of annoying. Uh, that's
2: but a lot kind of, of an the- odd... Like, it, Wasn't that fairly large? Yeah, so where are you going like, to put
4: something like that? You know?
2: Right. You I, just-
3: I also would want... like if anything from that scene, I want the tiara. Yeah, right. I'm like, that's what I want. Yeah, the, like the, t- the fake tiara and That was and so great. Cool, right. Yeah. Be, you know,
2: I don't like, want
3: his bathtub. I want no. the tiara. Well, like, you have to have room
2: for these things, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the Daredevil suit, you put on a mannequin in a corner somewhere or you maybe you have it in some type of special shadow box style frame if you want when you hang up the cowl. Like, that you can do, but like that tank is, is huge. It would take up most of this True. room. You know, so I think the average collector just doesn't, purchase things that size yeah
4: yeah most of the stuff that that sold for high high prices was daredevil yeah um there was a couple sets of billy clubs sold for one of them sold for ten thousand five hundred uh you know so that's that's not Somebody too made bad
3: a decent chunk of change off of this misty
4: knight's arm also was unsold which is interesting uh,
2: see now that's something if i had money like that's something that that I one was would estimated really cool. for 10 to twelve thousand. black
3: one or a gold one the black and
2: gold one, mm. the Rand Industries. Oh, one. nice. Yeah. Um, See, because that's not very large. Like that would go really nicely right here, we on the shelf, don't you think? Oh yeah, you know? we should pick that up. <laughs> uh,
4: lots of Daredevil helmets. They all sold for around ten grand. Uh, electric costume sold for eighty two fifty. The uh, Diamondback suit from season one of Luke Cage. Oh yeah. Passed. Sold for for eighty two fifty. But the big surprise for me was the red Matt Murdock glasses uh they were estimated at 1500 to 2500 they ended up selling for $8000 for a set of glasses so, and nobody
2: bought Misty's arm. Right. What the Nelson of, and
4: Murdoch attorneys at law sign went for 8000
2: That's That's cool. I like which that. Which was like five grand more than
4: what they estimated it. So, yeah. I mean, everything went for so much
2: money. Well, again, those last two are things that are very easy to put on display somewhere. That's true. Right. A- anybody could put that I'd be so scared it.
4: to break. Like, the glasses are just a small thing. Like,
2: what well, do you get a case for, though? $8,000 for, yeah, for a pair like, of glasses. it's
4: like, yeah. It's very iconic, though. And they are custom-made glasses. There's not going to be another anywhere so it's not like you can just order it from a sunglass manufacturer or something you know it's they're very yeah. specific custom the, made
2: though someone has gotten really close to the tony stark ones from far from home they're, those have been floating around the internet so i don't know yeah those yeah. seem more complicated so probably I don't, I
4: don't know. <laughs> yeah i'm sure that's true
3: so derek more disney news oh man
2: so uh disney Disney's basically going through the 20th Century Fox slate and slashing things that they don't feel confident about, and they're which blaming, is basically everything. Which is basically everything. They're blaming Dark Phoenix's box office for this, and I don't really think that that's first off. I don't think that that's like truthful
3: at all. Nor I think is that's it a scapegoat.
2: Yeah, they're they're just using X Men as a scapegoat, and um, they're they're keeping Avatar, of course. They're keeping apparently they're continuing the Planet of the Apes franchise, which after war i don't know what you would do next honestly but they're keeping that they're keeping the kingsman sequel basically if it's if it was in production in filming before kingsman or prequel yeah you said sequel i'm sorry
0: prequel. Uh, there is a sequel yeah, in development sorry. so or the, was, in the development, kingsman, was the king's man the yeah. king's
2: man um if the movie was in production filming before the merger during the merger or whatever it's going to come out um at that point but anything that was in pre-development type stages may not see that light of day Um, and they I don't know we may still may never see New Mutants because Disney seems to be unhappy with
3: it. That's really upsetting like I said earlier today uh, the concept and the three main actors that they have are pretty stellar so you know I I'm fairly confident that the three of us could have made this movie with the exact same resources and done a better job. But, you know, what the hell do I know?
4: Well, they just need to get over and hire us.
3: I mean, we have references. But guys. if, if
4: <laughs> I mean, if, if Disney is unhappy with it, chances are it means it's just not very good. No, like, no you're totally right. And we right. all have kind of suspected that it wasn't very good for a while. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, I read so- something earlier today that said that there's it's con- contracted to go to theaters
2: like there's a contract for that so
4: it has to go to theaters it's not going to just drop on well, hulu unless they break that contract
2: that's I mean, every contract has some way out it may sure. just cost disney money but if they don't like it enough they might be willing to spend that money it's possible
0: yeah. you know and put they it...
3: also could do the inhumans thing they drop it in theaters for a one night like fathom event and then get rid of it
0: no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
2: or put it straight well, that, to hulu that like, would depend on what the theater contract is well yeah Usually totally a, a certain number of theaters for a certain yeah. amount of time um so i mean yeah we i mean we don't know what those well, theaters are.
3: can also just pull stuff if they're not doing well so if they just meet in the middle and agree to like a one-night showing yeah yeah
2: yeah. I mean, I don't know. This is a weird situation. This does not happen very often. This movie was supposed to come out like two years ago now. Yeah. Um, and so they're still thinking about doing reshoots. And like the cast aren't children, but people still age. And so I'm not sure how you can do reshoots two, three years apart from each other. Oh, and, like, not, and not have that be two or three years of time passing at the same time, you know?
3: The cast is also pretty frustrated. I know Maisie Williams, like, she gets asked about it quite often in interviews, and she's no longer emotionally invested in this film. She doesn't believe it's coming out anytime soon. They haven't told them anything, so it's, it's not on their radar either. They're not doing any press for it. They don't know anything more than we do.
2: Pretty yeah. sad. Mm -hmm. I will be honestly surprised if it actually gets a real theater release.
4: It's still on the schedule, so we'll see.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Disney's slashing most of the rest of the stuff that 20th Century Fox would have been working on, which um, is is not surprising, I guess, but it is disappointing. You know, 20th Century Fox put out good content. Maybe it wasn't the X-Men movies that were, were the good content, but they still put out good material. And it's not like Disney's hurting for money. So for them to use half of 2019 as an excuse to just destroy the whole like back catalog of of projects they're working on it seems it seems kind of shitty. The
4: biggest yeah. one for me is is the Jojo Rabbit one. We didn't talk about that at all, but um, <laughs> it's a you, fun if, trailer. It's so it, it was a Fox Searchlight, which is their mm-hmm. indie mm-hmm. branch of Fox. Um, Taika Atiti, who did uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um this is the biggest movie there's some other smaller ones uh Hunt for the Wilder People um What
3: we do in the Shadows What we do in
4: the Shadows um he's doing a small indie movie uh about a kid who has an imaginary friend that is Hitler um and <laughs> it's so weird The whole
3: thing takes place in the 40s so like it's yeah. it's right before Hitler's whole um well kind of before Holocaust. the war like yeah. I'm, well, I'm sure it's the during style. the Holocaust but
2: because well, like the war was like was, 39 to 42 so, no but let's so I, <laughs> this is we'll, we'll it's also on. including but, like
3: battles and aftermath and things like that you know so
2: 1945
4: 1945 yeah got it yeah. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting back to the movie oh, uh, sorry guys um it's Rumor: This movie is to to just be frank about it. The movie is mocking Nazis, Nazis, right. and Hitler is a complete incompetent buffoon in the movie. Apparently, mm-hmm. um, but apparently Disney executive screened it, and at least one walked out because he was so uncomfortable halfway through. Um, and that makes people nervous that the movie might something might happen. It might not release, or might be only released on Hulu or something like that.
2: And the thing is, like. The, the quote's really vague. Like, uncomfortable could mean so many different things. Yeah. And since it is satire, part of me wonders if the person was uncomfortable because the things that they were satiring are things that are hitting home for that particular person.
3: Here's where I can get you. It's satirizing. Satirizing? Yeah. Okay. okay so we're that's even.
2: We're even?
3: Yeah, we're even. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we are.
2: Um. Anyway, I yeah, maybe those things are really hitting home for this particular person and that's why they're uncomfortable. It does uncomfortable, seem somewhat right?
3: suspicious.
4: Right? Like art makes people uncomfortable sometimes. Satire and is makes supposed to. Man,
3: I could count on like all my digits how many movies I've sat through that I've made me uncomfortable but they stick with me and like i don't regret ever seeing him it's just like in the end it's not for me there are probably a lot of one and done movies like it doesn't have to be your favorite movie to release it it will be somebody's favorite movie so it's an
4: indie film so the budget was probably virtually
3: nothing Mm -hmm. what
2: have you got to lose by it was all spent on scarlett uh, johansson it's already shown at film festivals yeah so i mean to some extent it's been released so are we just i guess we're probably just talking about a wide release wider because like, right? i mean, it's
4: an indie film that's not going to be released well
2: right sorry yeah um, but but yeah i mean i think at this point disney's just looking for any excuse they could find to just cancel 20th century fox projects which again Goes back to conversations we've had where this this was really about just acquiring market share, yeah, and not actually about acquiring acquiring your Marvel characters. We can talk all we want about oh, Wolverine's going to join the X Men and Marvel may and Disney. Wolverine's may
3: already t- joined the X Men
2: whatever yeah like i'm making like that's not the point that i'm trying to make no i totally get it like
3: everybody is so excited about the stupid fantastic four but first of all those characters kind of suck on the big screen they're best in comics just leave it alone and second it is (laughs) about other art it's about other things like uh, thousands of people were laid off they lost their jobs because of this and now we're crushing art without enough production studios to make these things happen, we don't see these wonderful ideas that people have. And
2: Well, that's but, the market share thing. Exactly. That's the real point here, was that Disney wanted to encroach on the 30 to 40% market share in the movie industry. And they've now done that. And because they've done that, they can now do whatever the hell and they want. And the TV want. industry, too, yeah, at well, this point,
4: because yeah. they also acquired, like, three different channels and They did Hulu. acquire a lot
2: there. But um,
3: it's the not just that. Like, that includes print. Like, Disney also produces books and newspapers and uh, comic books. Inclu- yeah, yeah. Like it's it's everything. It's video games. Like,
2: but for the the movie industry is more limited, though, right? You only have fifty two release weeks. You're only, you're only going to release two to three major movies a week, so there, that's a much smaller sample size. And so, if every single month. Disney's releasing two of the movies that are coming out as big heavy hitters or more, right? That's that's the world we're going to see now. And mm-hmm. that's why the Lion King live action remake is the highest grossing animated film of all time, which makes zero sense. Yeah.
3: But Disney that's... only has to compete with Disney now. Right.
2: That's exactly what it is. And that's a problem. Speaking of Disney competing only with themselves, they also released a bundle price for Disney Plus along with Hulu with ads and ESPN, which will only be twelve ninety nine. Coincidentally, the price of Netflix, which never occurred to Disney, that's actually what they said, is that they had not considered Netflix's price, which is another bold faced lie. There's no way they were in a room and they went, Well, what should we price this? Hey, let's not check anybody else in the field. That conversation did not happen.
4: Well, it's also getting closer and closer to like the cable packages that we uh all wanted to not be a part of because mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good price, right? Like I, it's sure. actually a better value than Netflix probably. Um, but I don't have any use for ESPN plus when I had cable, a lot of the sports channels were thrown in there. I didn't have any use for those. You know, it feels very strangely familiar. In that sense. I mean, um, for us,
2: so we pay for Hulu without ads, and that's twelve ninety nine a month.
4: That's the same thing I do, yeah.
2: Right? So, like, basically, we're just – we're getting Disney Plus thrown in for free. And some ads. And then we're going to get some ads is, is really what it comes down to. So, it probably is the best value on the market right now. But you're right because it's – do you pay for the Disney Plus by itself just so you don't get the ESPN channels? Because then you're, like, spending extra money just to not have channels, that doesn't make any sense. So
3: it's true. Either way, you add up all the streaming services and it's very familiar of cable and cable's going to end up being the cheaper option. We'll all go back to cable here or everyone will turn to torrenting again. Like,
2: well, I, I think what's very likely is there won't be cable soon because all the major stations are now getting their own streaming services. So once... HBO Max comes out, which is Warner Brothers, and NBC Universal's comes out, and, you know, and CBS already has their own, and ABC is part of Disney, and like, yeah, you know, you're not going to have any channels left that don't have a streaming service, and then there just won't be cable, and you'll just have to get the streaming services. You know, we may be a few years off from that. Maybe it's five, seven years from now, but I don't think we're that far away. From then, we're going to see a huge a uptick
3: in piracy again, just like we did in the. Uh... Mid two thousands. Sure. Yeah. It's I kind mean, of
4: depressing. It's already like, kind of starting. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people like uh, Amazon Prime isn't a great example because a lot of people have Amazon Prime anyway for the for the mail service. But I know the boys has been torrented quite a bit. It's very easy to find a torrent for that out there. Um, you know, any new release on any streaming platform, be it Hulu, Netflix, Prime, DC Universe. It's very easy to find those shows, and uh, there's a lot of people. If you ever get on a torrent site and look at the people that are that are uh, seeding and leeching those program or those videos, it's a lot. So, th- I I people are already getting a little sick of it and starting to go that route.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anything else we want to cover on news?
3: Not really. Let's mm-hmm. talk mystery men.
2: Okay. Well, then we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back to talk. Mystery, man. Hey, why play video games when you could watch people play video games? Why watch people play video
4: games when you could listen to people talk about video games? Come rest your eyes and hands with the Gamer Heroes Podcast. We'll cover the latest news in games, previews, reviews, and more coming your way every Wednesday morning. Come check us out as part of the Heroes Podcast Network at heroespodcasts.com or find us on Spotify, iTunes, Spreaker, or, you know other podcast places give us a listen to help you get through your busy day or even just forget you left it playing in your headphones we're cool with that too
3: hey everyone welcome back hope you enjoyed that break i had no idea we were back just yet it was a top quality break yeah i thought so
4: really good information i gained <laughs> from
2: that break i mean maybe we didn't hear it so
4: oh i heard it did you mm-hmm. okay it was great That's smart yeah
3: okay yeah, so Mystery Men. Mystery Men came out in 1999, and it is about... Great year
4: for partying. It that was. Year.
3: Yeah. I can't even. I'm going to go.
2: So lots of crazy movies came out in 1999. It's true. Um, the Matrix. Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest, The Matrix, Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, Office Space, Bowfinger. Bowfinger.
3: Bowfinger.
2: Bowfinger. That's Eddie Murphy, Steve Martin, one right? Yeah, yeah, it is. I had it on Uh, being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich was also ninety nine. So you know, weird range of movies in nineteen ninety nine. We we closed out the twentieth century in a very strange way. Yep. So and Mystery Men also came out. And Mystery
3: Mystery Men, yeah. So about this weird ragtag group of cosplayers, I mean superheroes. Vigilantes. (laughs) Starts off with three characters and they end up growing their ranks to save Captain Amazing and fight the evil Casanova Frankenstein. That's
4: right. And the Disco Boys.
3: And the 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 Disco Boys. Boys.
4: (laughs) So where do we start with this?
3: Right. So overall first of all it's been 20 years since this film. So uh, did you guys see it in 1999?
2: So I saw it relatively soon after it came out. Okay. On, so it like, might not have video. been in
3: theaters, but...
2: Yeah, I, I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it on home video. Okay. So 2000 probably is when I actually saw it. I saw
4: it in theaters. Cool. And I've seen it every few years since then. No, it's, really? It's it's kind of been a, a classic for me, like one that I can always go back to and I know I'm going to enjoy it. Um
3: has it yeah. changed for you at all as you've changed in age? Because obviously, twenty years for us has been absolutely huge. It's the majority of our lifespan.
4: Not really. It's it's one of those things that feels comfortable. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. I know what I'm getting from it. It's not like when I go back and watch a movie from 1984 or something, yeah. and it's like, wow, what did I see in this movie? Okay, um, that's you know, fair. I've been able to.
3: You've know. held it in the same perspective. Yes, exactly. Okay, the
4: perspective hasn't changed. Although I get upon this rewatch there were certain comparisons to current media that uh, that were maybe more relevant That's fair um, than they were when it came out. But
3: Derek, how about you? Has it changed, or has you changing changed it?
2: <laughs> well, I, I really hadn't seen it in probably 15 years or so, uh, give or take, and so I had forgotten large chunks of this movie. For example, I forgot that Champion City was like this future dystopian place. I didn't remember that, because the scenes I really remembered were, were like, all the, uh, the recruitment thing at the yeah. gas pool in the backyard and the junkyard. And- I didn't
3: remember that it was an American-Japanese hybrid of a town. And, you know, Big Hero 6 came out five, six years ago. And a ton of people were talking about, like, how futuristic that was for America and Japan to merge and San Fran, Tokyo. And nope. This one totally did it well before that, and you know Blade Runner did it before then, so just, everyone's
2: forgotten about this movie, yeah, I think. yeah,
3: I forgot about a lot of details, I gotta say, like a lot of small little details in the background that serve to enrich the story. I forgot i just I just remember that as a cool kid, I thought the bowler was the coolest. I oh, wanted to yeah. grow up and be it was great.
4: I'm so, surprised you haven't cosplayed that. Like I've wanted to do Mr. Furious forever. Well, I've always and like,
2: wanted to do uh, the Shoveler. Oh yeah, here we go, guys. I guess so, we got to make this, this happen. This is it. But, yeah. Uh, I-, I was telling Ray after we watched the movie that so when this movie came out, uh, shortly after, actually no that that math actually works out. So around the time I first saw this movie, I was working in a bowling alley, and they actually had a ball that looked like hers for sale. It was ninety nine bucks. And because I worked at a bowling alley, I could bowl basically for free. You just yep. had to pay for the shoes, right? So I eyed that thing like every day always wanting to buy it and I never quite pulled the trigger and then I see it in the movie again and I would kind of forgotten about it and it just brought back all those memories. <laughs> I bet it
4: became a really good seller after that movie since this was so popular. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I actually Massive feel box like success.
3: that bowling ball was probably wanted by the people if who did it. If I was going to get a prop it, yeah.
4: from this movie, that would be it for yeah, sure, yeah, it's a
3: really cool prop.
4: Yeah. Uh, I think one thing that's important about this movie is that, it, at least for me, is, and I've realized it in my adult years, is that it came out way before its time. Yep. This movie, if it released with updated visuals and basically everything else the same. I feel like you could release that today and that would be a 300 or 400 million dollar movie.
3: There wasn't that many special effects too. You you change up the Captain Amazing death scene and you change up a few of the weapons and the crazy like physics that they have and it's it's a modern movie. Yeah. I I truly believe that if it came out today of course, it still wouldn't be on Marvel's big hit list, but I I feel like all the major podcasts and uh, YouTube channels would be dedicated to talking about how funny and poignant this movie would be.
4: Yeah, like they are about the boys currently. Exactly. Right. I also
3: feel like they might be able to go darker. Maybe Captain America, or Captain America, Captain Amazing's death scene would be a little more graphic and less comedic I yeah mean, it was pretty
4: graphic once
2: it, was was. it was definitely a 90s movie <laughs> yeah from that standpoint yeah uh, so just real quick we're talking about like it not being particularly popular
3: it wasn't
2: it made 33.4 million worldwide on a 68 million dollar budget um this so
3: easily killed a few careers like the... it wasn't
2: great but the timing wasn't great either no so it came out the same weekend as the sixth th- sixth th- sixth sense excuse me and the Thomas Crown Affair and The Iron Giant, Blair Witch Project was still in theaters, and Runaway Bride and Deep Blue Sea, Inspector Gadget, American Pie and The Phantom Menace.
4: Good lord, that's a lot of movies that are, <laughs> are
2: were all in theaters yeah. at the exact same time.
3: When
4: this
2: that's movie intense. Came out. Like
3: <laughs> a lot of those movies we've discussed on the podcast before. Yeah. yeah. So I I'm mean, still waiting
4: for a deep blue sea episode, but let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That has the most unnecessary death ever. And I'm not talking about Samuel L. Jackson. This was great. I'm talking about the female scientist that for some reason offers herself up as chum when she was the smartest person in the group. Like, why? Well, she wasn't the chef,
0: so... (laughs)
1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: Anyway. Whatever. Uh, Mystery men. So yeah, I I definitely think this movie uh, was disadvantaged by the lack of social media at the time. Right? Because word of mouth would have been massive for this.
3: Word of mouth is how Sixth Sense got to be popular. Nobody knew what to expect from a new director and just based on the trailers alone, go watch the Sixth Sense trailers. It's not like they were really anything special. So once the big twist at the end that nobody saw coming was well known to people and they were like, you have to go see this movie. Word of mouth really could have helped this movie and it just wasn't there for it.
4: So fun fact about the director of this movie. I don't know if you guys have heard this or not. Um, He only did commercials before this movie. And then after this movie came out, there was an interview with the guy that played the inventor. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. He's a common name. I don't Uh, remember his name. His
3: name's Tom Waits, and he's actually a singer.
4: Tom Waits. And so uh, he said that Tim Burton directed this movie. And there's been this huge conspiracy about it that uh, Tim Burton actually directed the movie and that the name that they used for the director was a pen name, basically. A pseudonym. Uh, Yeah and that just
2: also happened to be the name of a guy.
4: Yeah, or they th- or they think <laughs> that maybe that guy came in at the very end because Tim Burton wasn't happy with the way that it was turning out or something. That
3: or- is so weird cuz now that I think about it the cast does not reflect a 90s Tim Burton cast. He loves to use the same people. So that doesn't reflect it. But the visuals and the color palette, and it's so reminiscent of Beetlejuice and Batman.
2: Well, the fight sequences are very Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring that up later because stylistically it feels like a Batman movie. You know, it's true. From the 90s, that is. Obviously, not now. Yeah. But um, I-, I don't know. That's just That seems so odd, though. Because you're right. I, di- I looked him up. Uh, after watching the movie because i really didn't know who had directed it and i didn't recognize the name at all um and there's like it's kinka uh, kinka usher and there's not much there i mean you look at uh director and there's a couple of volvo commercials that are noted on here and he did a few other things in the camera and electrical department so i mean i suppose that's possible that that's the case um
3: Oh, well, Wizard of Oz had four directors, but only one is allowed billing credit. credit.
2: Sure, but do they all deny... The rest of them deny that they were a part of it?
3: Two of them did, yeah.
2: That they denied they were a part of it? Yeah. Interesting. That's so weird. I think it's odd that you can do that.
3: If you don't have credit, who's to say? Like, it's just so he said, she said at that point.
2: I mean... There should be employment records. I mean, though. well, <laughs> like, I mean, if you go back, you there know.
4: there was a lot of behind the scenes footage, and they shot a lot of extra footage that had to be cut. Um, but in the in that footage, you see a lot of the director in there talking to people, and so I'm not sure how accurate that that theory is. Well, but to, I, in the shots and yeah. stuff, I can definitely see if at the very least some inspiration
3: to get the uh. The Screen Directors Guild credit. You have to direct the majority of it, even if it's just 51%. You still get the credit and nobody else does. That's why Brian Singer still got credit from Bohemian Rhapsody. But it, so that could be, I don't know. Like now that you say it, I see the similarities. I see it. Yeah. I don't usually buy into conspiracy theories about anything, but you know
4: there are i mean there is some stylistic uh, things that add up for sure um, but i just thought that was an interesting fact about the movie i had no idea until i went and looked up something about the movie and saw that and i followed the, the rabbit hole and that's there was a big reddit thread about it and
2: it's weird that's yeah. definitely weird because I mean, there are a lot of, of similarities, but mm-hmm. I mean, it just it feels like that era of a film, though, right? There's a lot of it stylistically that feels like Mars Attacks, even, mm-hmm. right? Or, Which is also right. Tim Burton, right?
3: right. Edward hands. Uh-huh.
2: So I mean, that's it's maybe it's believable because it's just believable, right? There yeah. are so well, many when, commonalities.
3: When Tim Burton does color, he does bright, almost neon color, like almost to the point where it's really tacky and in your face, and it's not realistic color palette
2: he always wants his movies to be hard to look at basically
3: (laughs) just in very extreme different ways (laughs) they're either completely pitch black or bright colors
2: that's That's his signature Um, all right so let's talk a little bit about the movie though right so um we of course have captain captain amazing
3: who's played by the wonderful greg kinnear who is an underrated 90s actor never really got his due which he deserves. He's always in the shadow of Bill Paxton. <laughs> his <I'm> not- <laughs>
2: his character's suit, though uh, Captain Amazing's suit, is one of my favorite aspects of the movie, just on a personal level, because it's like a NASCAR suit, yeah, right. So he's got all of these sponsors like Pepsi and stuff like that, and I love I love that because, and I think this this will tie into something you probably want to talk about, Ryan, is that you know this idea of like if the superheroes were real, if we really had them, of course they'd
4: have corporate sponsorships
2: absolutely they would right whatever they would be right if the flash was real you know nike and reebok would be trying to sign them right yeah um and so like this is really i think the first time that concept is shown on screen yeah probably for superheroes i mean unless you want to count the bat credit card in batman and robin Mm, i'm good <laughs> i mean that's a po- i guess you could you could count that because isn't it like doesn't it have like a visa symbol never on or leave something?
3: without the bat visa yeah yeah
2: so i guess maybe you could count that
3: george clooney actually says never leave home without it
2: but this is the first movie where they're doing it to make a point yes that isn't just a joke Right. It's, it's supposed to make a point about what it what what should a superhero be. Yeah. Right. And of course, he turns out to be just a total pompous jackass. And maybe he was a good superhero at one point. Right. Because the whole point is he's gotten rid of all of the villains. There's nobody yeah. left. So an argument could be made that he was the best ever. That's true. So
4: something that <coughs> I caught in this one that I, I hadn't really thought about much before is does Captain Amazing even have any powers?
3: He never s- tends to use him. He has
4: a jet pack, right? So he can't fly.
3: Uh, he is not super
4: strong, really.
3: He rides in a limo.
4: Is he just a good fighter?
2: Yeah, he's just a good fighter.
4: That's it. I mean, I assume whereas he, like the Sphinx can chop guns in half with his mind,
2: I assume he's also very intelligent too. To like have been able to stop all these villains over the years, he's probably you know a pretty smart guy. But yeah, he he seems to basically be Batman without gadgets.
4: Yeah. Okay. Because he 'cause because in the movie, the way he's portrayed is more like Superman, but he doesn't have any of the powers of Superman, really, other than the jetpack making him fly.
2: No, I mean, he's just, he's given kind of the 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 smug face of Superman.
4: And the, eye like, glass removal line.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, that's, yeah, I guess that's true. That's very Clark Kent. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I mean, that was clearly, that's what they were going for with that, but... Um, it, I hadn't really thought about that before. I guess I just assumed that he had powers, but yeah. in, when I watched it this time, I was like, he doesn't really have any powers, does he? Because I was comparing him kind of Homelander from The Boys, and Homelander has all the same powers as Superman, basically. But yeah, Captain Amazing, no powers really that you ever see.
2: Now, now, speaking of the Sphinx, though, I mean, I'm not really sure what his ability was because he never does it again when they're in this giant battle at the castle. You know, he never uses that ability. So was he just really? Fast and he hit all the guns. Either way, it's a superpower, rope or something. I don't really know. Like, it's
4: faster than the eye can comprehend. Apparently, because you see the barrels of the guns break off. Like, there's a shot that shows them all. Why wouldn't he
2: do that again later?
4: Maybe he was trying to do a team building exercise and he didn't want to just take care of it. I did love the the gun control stance in this movie, though. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like when they first pull guns on the heroes. And they're like, huh, guns, that's your gimmick? You know, like, (laughs) what are you going to do, shoot us? You know, it's
2: like, (laughs) I do love that scene. Yeah. Because these are just regular guys, right? Like, they've really never been successful superheroes. And, you know, the the shoveler, big time, like, he's got a whole family at home with kids and everything. I mean, you know, Furious seems like he's a loner, but um, the rest have family. And here they are, like, laughing in the face of gangsters with guns, which shows that they're either really dumb or all, or really, really brave. I'm not sure which.
4: Something that I've always loved about this movie, too, is the villains. Uh, Casadova Frankenstein, it, just a name alone, is a, <laughs> is a great, like, almost 80s villain name. Mm-hmm. Um, and But the Disco Boys, in the way that they dress, they commit to this life. Yes, Their guns do. are, like, super showy. Uh, you all know, the individual about them...
3: gangs at the end, so much fun. Yeah. And very satirical of comic book gangs absolutely yeah
4: yeah and Casanova literally just fighting with this pinky like that's his whole thing uh, <laughs> that was great it's
3: really sharp
4: they yeah it is it. really sharp yeah. uh, they you know the, the scene where Captain Amazing is going into the Sphinx's house and he's like why don't you disable that nano micro laser on your left foot and then uh, your drinkster that has the particle gas accelerator uh can you please disarm that and i love that you know it's like this guy knows him so well mm-hmm. and he's not panicking at all but you don't th- you're so smart captain amazing and you don't think that maybe you know there he might was be something new you. yeah like you didn't set <laughs> so this whole thing up that's Come my on.
3: favorite part like lance goes in and he releases casanova his entire testimony is the reason this dude gets out and then he is taken down by his own hubris within the first 30 minutes yeah. of the movie i love that so much that like no no you shouldn't just release a deadly terri- terrorist uh, it no he immediately
4: blows up the asylum as soon as he gets back to his house <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah that doesn't really make any sense there doesn't seem to be a reason for that
4: i mean he was there so and spent a lot of time there
3: maybe he hated it
4: he hated it clearly like... he had idiot captain amazing he, captain amazing had to know who did it and if it was just a random building then would captain amazing know that it was him that did it that's the way i've taken it it's, right. that, it's because he spent the time there he just got released that day then he blows it up you okay. know it makes it obvious that it's him captain that's amazing fair. is smart enough to put those two pieces together
3: it's very obvious that Jeffrey Rush is the only like Oscar winner <laughs> out of oh, this he's whole so group. Good. He is fantastic. <laughs> he acts the shit out of this role that he
2: easily could have just phoned in. Yeah. Though to be fair, I really, I really think William H Macy does a good job too because the Shoveler gets the most range of any of the other heroes. That's true. Right. He's got the most going on. He's got the real family at home. He's got the wife who wants him to stop. He's got. Who
4: is a very strong black woman, which was really interesting to me.
3: Biracial family, you know, before it was an issue. And they don't
4: make a big deal about it. Like, it's not even touched on, really, which is great.
3: The thing is, like, (laughs) our complaints on the internet have completely hindered art. To a huge degree, because we were able to just do that. And if you were angry, if it pissed you off, you turned it off, and that was it. <laughs> you didn't go yell or berate somebody, you know, unless it was Michael Keaton getting cast, and then yeah. you completely sent death threats to Warner Brothers.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, that that stuff still happened. We just didn't didn't see it. It as was a smaller there, think, scale, but...
3: and like things had to be really angry and loud for people to take yeah. notice. Like the Michael Keaton thing made it to the news. If somebody was mad about a biracial family in a mystery man movie, then, you know, they, they didn't. guess say it's hard it to be enough. controversial
2: when no one sees the movie. <laughs> I think it's part of the problem there. There uh, were
4: a lot of really good performances in this movie, though. It wasn't, I think so. You know, uh, even some of the smaller roles, like uh, Pee Wee Herman's, you yeah. know, uh, The Spleen, um, he was great.
2: Hank Azaria, though.
4: Hank Azaria as the Blue, blue Raja, Raja, yeah. you Yeah, know, I mean, doesn't the... wear any blue, but <laughs> doesn't
0: wear any blue. If he you know your history, end. it makes sense. <laughs> right,
3: right.
2: Uh, but I mean, you know, he of course is is a he's a voice actor. right? He's the Simpsons, and um, he is the. He's Simpsons. He's like he's most of the Simpsons. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you know he he gets to you know play around with voices a little bit, and make all like the that, fork and, puns, which are I mean cutlery you, puns. You guys know I love a pun. Yeah. Right. And so a movie like this is just filled
3: with one huh? of my favorite parts of this film is they show the off hours and the fact that he is in his costume at Which is home. his son's
4: hockey pads or something like that. No, oh, that's shoveler. Shoveler. No, yeah. Shoveler, sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That was yeah. great. The interactions with his mom.
3: Yeah. But like he's in the mirror and he's like saying his one liners, his puns, because that's a huge part of being a vigilante in this world is you have to have puns. Yeah
2: so great. Like, watching him practice was really fun. And like th- that opening fight scene, you know, where he like he, he throws the spoon. Right. And then he it was a, that was a great scene. So you got good. to
4: establish all the characters. This it, in, ter- in like choreography, it was not a great fight scene. But <laughs> wow. in terms of like what you want out of a fight scene, it was a wonderful fight scene. You got great character progression without really much dialogue. You, decide you knew what every character was, what they were about, including Captain Amazing.
3: The Red Eyes was a brief introduction. You don't really get too much more than that, but it does solidify that there are multiple villains in this mm-hmm. city and that there are threats from, you know, big to small. Like, as weird as it was to see them robbing old folks, like... Nowadays, if somebody went into an old folks' home and robs people of their glasses and dentures, like that's a big deal. Medicare does not cover all that anymore. People like that—that <laughs> that would literally break people's hearts. But that so. was part of the point,
2: though, is to, to give Mister uh, Mister Captain Amazing his point later, which is that like there's nothing left to save. Yeah, right. It's these petty little crimes that aren't going to get me any big deals and then yeah. they, the woman brings up the pepsi uh sponsorship being canceled and like that's all he cares about now because there's no villains left and he needs his money then if he yeah. doesn't have anything else to do so that was even part of the character building right there was the fact that yeah. the location was what it was
3: well if he doesn't have any income coming you know he's no longer billionaire lance he's that's true just poor guy Lance. Mm-hmm.
4: i did love the, that scene where there where mr furious is like he just takes his glass off. He's like, no, because then he couldn't see. Like it, and William H. Macy, like <laughs>
3: he sells he, he it.
4: He sells it, right? That's the, that's that's the tough of, like, line. He does
2: such a good job of this. Like he be- he is that character so through and through. He delivers every line without any sense of of you know irony or yeah. disbelief. Um, and so, he kind of becomes the leader by the end of the movie, really. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, the Sphinx is kind of like being their mentor and all, but they're following the Shoveler. Did yeah, you guys like uh,
4: Dane's Dane Cook's first introduction I to the movies? I never liked Dane Cook ever in anything. <laughs> the Waffler?
3: <laughs> so... When I first saw this, I saw it in 1999, shortly you had no after. idea who Dane Cook was, I didn't know, because
4: he well, wasn't a thing.
3: That's my favorite part about this movie. The more I watch it... Doug the, Jones,
4: also in that scene, which the, I only picked up on the last couple times I've exactly, watched it. Yeah. Like
3: the more you spot people in the background who... Uh, Careers have gone off and gained steam. And there's like when I was a kid, I had no clue who Eddie Izzard was, and he's the leader of the Disco Boys. So I knew he was great in
4: this role. Yeah, that's that's one thing I knew about him. He was my favorite of the Disco Boys for sure. Um, Like,
3: if the waffler had been a main character, I'm not quite sure I would have been able to do it. But like, for those 30 seconds that he's talking, it's the most Dane Cook that's ever Dane Cooked in all of Dane Cook. It is, yeah.
2: I just can't stand him, honestly.
4: So that didn't ruin the movie for you? No, he's oh, not okay. in
2: it long enough to ruin the movie, right? But it, it, it is a big reason why I don't like watching Waiting. Yeah. Because he's in it a lot. Yeah. You mm. know? So Well, you had to have all these <laughs> shitty
4: heroes, too, to get to the bowler, who was yeah probably my favorite part of the movie. I thought she was great. Janine's awesome. Well, yeah. She's- She's like, kind of an underrated actress from that time period. She doesn't really work anymore. The Truth About Cats and Dogs was a movie that she was so in when I watched good. when I was younger. And yeah, it's it's really good. It was, I think, the first rom-com that actually I enjoyed. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it, having her was great. And I think that they could have, if anything, utilized her more. I would have liked to have seen her early on. Um, she, what's cool absolutely.
2: about her is she's really the first one you see that has some type of super ability of well, some kind.
0: Well, that's not true. The well, spleen. spleen.
3: Like, I, as gross as his power is, so he has super flatulence. If you haven't seen the movie, as gross as it is, it does knock four people unconscious at least twenty-five feet away. You're right, yeah. and then he does it with like,
2: the, the armored car. Later. And he can
4: like judge wind speed and like yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, that may have just been practice. Sure, but
3: still,
2: that's a skill. His arrow can do that. It's so. super gross.
3: <laughs> it's totally gross, but it's a legit power. Like, yeah. and
2: he has a backstory. Yeah, like, he you does know. have a backstory. That's fair. The
3: Buller, Spleen, Invisible Boy, and Sphinx are Say
0: goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
2: The
3: only ones with powers.
2: Yeah. So Invisible Boy, Kel Mitchell. Yeah. The only role he ever
4: did other than Good Burger, I think.
2: Well, I really wish more, he had had a better career because I like Kel. I do. And in this movie, his character is just fun and innocent, and like most of the, like the whole point is you don't really believe he has a power, right? And right? nobody does. And
4: then he gets he to believes save in the himself, day. and yeah. everybody else starts to believe in him, and he does it. Yeah, like
2: what kind of awesome message is that? You it's know, a great message. I just it's it's so great. Like they want to leave, they don't believe him, and he still wants to stick around and, and help out in any way he can, and and he
3: does. Just, he creates the environment for the party like he tell gives them suggestions and when they follow it they end up getting the bowler afterwards it's completely his deal Mm -hmm. so he he proves that he's useful to the team in more than one way and he does actually have the power so you know he he's not just blowing smoke up their asses
4: another cool thing about this movie is the tank that thing is oh, yeah. awesome. Oh, it's so cool. It's a really cool like even if not not in like a satirical superhero kind of way like that is a really it kind of reminds me of the turtle van. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. But like way more armored um but yeah it's it's a really cool vehicle that doesn't exist obviously because this is a futuristic like dystopian city but very cool uh they did a really good job of the environmental storytelling in the movie you know just from like that van you you learn about what kind of world they're living in based Mm -hmm. on the way it's designed and and what its function is and things like that um but yeah i've always loved that van i kind of wish they made like a toy of it because i would buy it oh yeah oh that would be fun with
2: a magnet that pops up,
4: that'd be cool. <laughs> that would be cool.
2: Um, no, the va- the van's great. The weapons are all super fun. The weapons that they get later in the movie, you know, yeah, because they're all non lethal, but they all are super freaking clever, right? Uh, there's the gun that um, makes people like makes the blame thrower. Bl- thank you, the blame thrower. Oh, I is love the, the coolest freaking idea. <laughs>
3: the clothes shrinking one. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> now, like so this is one of the things i really don't like about the movie like it still falls into 90s subjective tropes that aren't very good like the only black people at the gang party are uh, the rappers so that you have the disco disco
4: boys
2: there's several disco boys in there that were black
3: that's fair that's yeah. fair. Because
2: they more were making fun of the other groups, like the frat boys are just a bunch of like white, white boys. White yeah. Itings, right. You know? No, you're and then, totally then right. Then you have like the one Asian gang, and yeah. then you have the Italian gangster guys. Like those were really stereotypes. But like
3: they used such a close shrinking weapon on the women who are already like in the go-go skimpier or outfits. Yeah. So, like, it's...
2: I and there's, like, a scene where coming. Mr.
4: Furious is, like, staring at him when he... Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: He well, Invisible the... Boy and Spleen are, too. Like, they objectify them pretty yeah. hard. My pants are getting
4: it... tighter, yeah. whatever I guess
2: when I guess when, I, when they explain that gun, my head just went, well, we know how they're gonna use that later. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. knew that that was what that was gonna well, be. Well, I
4: mean, I, and I, it does make some kind of sense, at least, because they're already wearing tight
0: clothes, It would right? have been so hilarious be on the effective. Disco
3: Boys to watch all their big, baggy bell bottoms get really tight sure. on their legs and like, become Caprice, that like, would have been hilarious. Yeah,
2: that's true. Were skinny jeans a thing back in the 90s? I don't know.
3: The way the costume department the would 90s. have had to play that off would have been a much better comedic point. Well, that's Just why saying. I like
2: the blame thrower because I think that that's like a super clever concept that mm-hmm. mm, I, I've never seen anything like that in anything else. Right. Shrinking devices. Honey, I shrunk the kids like that's a thing. But the Blamethrower is so different. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that you just aim it at some people and they'll just start arguing with each other is such a cool idea.
4: And the tornado in a can was oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I kind
2: of was sad they didn't bring that back later. Yeah. I was like waiting for it because you know I had kind of forgotten about the climax of the movie. Like at some point, someone's going to throw that out there. It doesn't happen. No.
3: Yeah. I really wanted to see more weapons because the way they were describing weapons and weapon technology throughout the whole film was hilarious. And, like, that's why it's so bad this didn't get a sequel. I yeah. would have loved to see this whole world expanded upon and what the team can do now that it's actually a fully-fledged team that trusts each other. Like, uh it deserved a sequel.
2: Now... One of the other weapons, of course, is Casanova's big weapon that he's going to use to destroy the city. And the good guys accidentally use it on Captain Amazing.
4: <laughs> Which was great, right? Like, <laughs> what other movie does that? You know?
2: It's so, like, so it's so, that, that those moments are like the real 90s moments, right? Because the, the special effects. Yes. I mean. They, sure,
4: the special effects date the movie, but those I mean, do. other than that.
2: Well, because the rest is mostly practical effects, yeah. so it looks well, fine.
3: It's fantastic miscommunication. He tells her to flip each toggle once. And they spend like five
4: minutes discussing this. And she does it,
3: but because he didn't see it... (laughs) He has to tell her to do it again. And he's and being
4: a giant prick about it, so is. at that point she's probably like,
2: "All right, whatever." Yes, <laughs> it's so good
3: though. And then Blue Raja kills him. And then yeah.
2: Blue, Blue Raja kills him by
3: doing exactly what he asked her to do. It's
2: true. It's so good, and like those types of dialogue scenes are some of my favorite things. It's the character interactions that I, that really grab me in a movie. Well, even her interactions and with Mr. Her Furious.
3: Dad. Oh. oh, the. Yeah, oh. the bowling
2: ball. You know, you never hear the bowling
4: ball talk, but she obviously has a dialogue with the bowling ball and uh like the bowling ball saving
2: the day was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um one-sided conversations are always very difficult for the actor. So to sell that throughout a good chunk of the movie, that's a hard thing to do and have it be fun and it creates a character. Like by the end of the movie, the bowling ball has its own character. Right. Mm-hmm.
4: But I mean some of that you kind of wonder, is the bowling ball really saying that to her, or is she using that as an excuse? Like there's one point when they're just talking at a at a restaurant or something, and the bowling ball says some mean things about somebody, and and you're like, I'm thinking that was probably just her saying that and blaming <laughs> yeah. it on the bowling
2: ball. Um, I mean, but maybe, that's great. Maybe, because, but I mean, it just does so much on its own. Yeah, you know that it might not even hear talk it, to her know. really. Like, maybe not.
3: I think it adds a whole lot to the character. I love the idea that the bowling ball talks, but only she can hear it, mm. and the team never like questions her they never make her feel bad about it or crazy they give each other some side glances and then they let it go they're yeah. like okay cool so- she
4: proves that that the boing <laughs> ball is a thing they're like exactly. please
2: join the team and so it's, it is kind of interesting because our three original characters are actually the only ones who don't have superpowers yeah, yeah. everybody they recruit or end up teaming up with has a superpower of yeah. some kind and i mean that's kind of interesting to think about because these guys were doing it what did they say it was 12 years yeah i think they had been like trying to fight crime and everything so
3: in all fairness it does appear that mr furious by the end has some sort of increased strength because he's able to jump off of that balcony with claire forlani six
4: million dollar man soundtrack without
3: breaking his leg so there is some increased strength now is that super (laughs)
2: probably just adrenaline
3: is it yeah it's love it's Guys, love. It's love. Like the fifth dimension. So
2: it's exactly like that. It's exactly <laughs> what it is. If you don't understand, ask Christopher Nolan.
3: Yeah. No thanks. Pass.
2: It's an interstellar reference.
3: Derek hates everything about that movie. No,
2: no, 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 no. The cinematography and the, the special effects are truly fantastic.
3: Oh, he hates everything that the linchpin is love. <laughs>
2: the story is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, what else about Mystery Men do you guys want?
3: Well, so is there anything about the movie that you don't like, especially upon rewatch? Uh, there were parts just...
4: where it felt like they were trying to, like, the actors were all fairly decent names around that time. Like, they felt like they needed to give a character more of something so that the, uh, I don't know, sometimes it felt like the actors were fighting a little bit for the spotlight in the, in a the scene. That's fair. Um, but... I mean, not really. Like, I kind of love this movie, and I've always have since it came out, so I don't really have any big complaints.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, if I was going to pick anything, I think it would honestly... You can't could, pick Dane Cook. No, it's not Dane Cook. It would probably be Ben Stiller's character, Furious, because he. Um, it's like they wanted him to be the lead character, but he never quite is the lead character. They just give him more screen time that makes any Mm -hmm. sense right so he gets you know you get to see his work and he yells with his boss and that's really there so they can get the truck later or the tank later or whatever right but he just he gets all this alone time he's the one who gets the date with the girl who has you know he has to save from Casanova at the end and like but that's developed so poorly I can't even remember what her name is and I remember everybody else's name I remember
3: the actor's name it's Claire Forlani but I do yeah, I don't nice. remember the characters.
2: I don't think all. he
4: was supposed to be the leader. I think he was just supposed to be the main character.
2: Well, that's what I mean the lead, the lead character. Okay, not leader. Gotcha. The the lead in the film. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. Um, but I, just, I guess I didn't
4: struggle with that as much.
2: It just didn't really work for me. Like I would, I I preferred William H Macy's scenes, the shoveler stuff. Sure. His character seemed just deeper and more interesting than just. He had more to him. What was yeah.
4: Mr. Pierce? He was just a ragey guy that liked this chick.
2: Well, I agree, and I think yeah. that's what the problem was. Probably the biggest star at the time was might, might have been ben stiller and they were just giving him more screen time yeah
3: That's absolutely
2: possible. so hey what about you ray
3: i mean like i said it falls into some of the old 90s of subjective tropes here and there and even though we've come like a very long way it, it still feels like we've fallen back it it did some really cool things biracial family Nobody commented on that. Nobody needed to point it out or anything. Um, and
4: it, a strong black woman, too. She was like... I mean, she wasn't putting up with any shit.
3: Yeah, know? absolutely. But she was still there for her husband and it, her she, family, especially, too. She had a multi-dimensional character. She was not there for... Um, arm candy she wasn't there to be the sassy black woman trope she wasn't there to just abandon her husband like she she was a full fleshed out character and she had very little screen time compared to the rest of the story but it was developed and it was good Mm -hmm. so that's pretty great every character's storyline was different so i really appreciated the mix in that but I mean,
2: there's little things like Blue Raja's mom was a really good character. Like she was just super supportive and caring and proud of her son. Um, Invisible Boy, like he was invisible in a very different sense. Like nobody ever paid attention to him. Nobody ever noticed him. That shows like Dad
3: didn't. He walks into the house and he's like, "Dad, I'm going to my bedroom with three strange men." Like, if I ever have kids, and they say that line to me, like, "The fuck you are," (laughs) like.
2: (laughs) But like that showed like a different you know, a different side of of his character, what it means to be invisible, right? Right. A more literal, you know, figurative, a more figurative sense than a literal sense. And, Absolutely. Um, so there's just, there's some really cool character moments in the movie mm-hmm. that a lot of like the 90s action films missed and skipped over just for more. That's explosions. just it. This is
3: an action movie that's very dialogue heavy. It's more along the lines of character development and pushing the story along than you know, gratuitous action. So,
2: mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And
4: if you're you're watching anything on the internet right now, you're you're seeing advertisements for the Boys, and we've talked about it a little bit. But once you have watched all of the Boys, and then you go back and watch this movie, it becomes very clear that there was some inspiration taken from this movie. There had to have been because there's so many similarities.
3: The um, comic book came out three years later. You said two so. or
2: three. It was 2002 or 2003 that the Boys comic book was initially published.
3: So it's very easy to just draw the line and say that Garth Enos saw this movie. He saw quite a few others and were like, yeah, I want to do what superheroes would really be like.
4: Well, and it's no secret that he actually hates superheroes. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, seeing a movie where the superhero, the only big superhero dies in the first like and 30 he's a minutes giant dick he probably loved that yeah so yeah i'm sure that's where he got it from but it is it's just interesting to me and the boys is very highly reviewed mm-hmm. and is making amazon a bunch of money this did not make anybody money <laughs> you know so it's <laughs> amazon's just
0: having
3: a good year between good omens and this like both were really big hits for him
2: but like yeah. f- for the boys though, i think i think it is de- in my mind cemented that in 1999, he saw Mystery Men, and then in 2001, the Justice League cartoon premiered. And then and, in 2002, he and started then writing. Two years later, you know, he has The Boys. Yeah. Um, I don't see that as a coincidence, honestly. You know, no more than, um, oh, Hunger Games author. Um, like,
3: if we, uh, you know,
2: she says she doesn't, she had never heard of Battle Royale. Suzanne before. Collins, Suzanne, yeah. yeah. Thank you. I've never heard of Battle Royale. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right.
4: <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you just wrote a book about it.
2: <laughs> you know, like,
3: if we can look at Shakespeare's stuff and find all the different influences for his individual plays, then of course we can easily draw conclusions here. Yeah,
4: and I'm no not one faulting anybody. Hamlet, I'm not so. faulting anybody for it. Like, no. it's fine to take inspiration from it, but some of the, like, some of the similarities are very, very, very mm-hmm. obvious. Yeah.
3: Well, you look back at some of the '90s superhero films, and you have your Batman, and you have uh, the last two. No, you have one Superman movie. I think the four was made in '90, or was that '80s? I don't remember I don't when four came
2: out because the four is also like just terrible. It's gotta it, be. It eight. is. There's no way that's a '90s movie. I, I, is it?
3: If it know. was, it was like barely, but um but most of them like it it's really just the live action batman movies and everything else was satire playing off of it like you had blank man
4: yeah which i in... actually like blank 1987 man, for yeah the quest okay the quest so, for peace. Yeah. so i have blank man on dvd
3: yeah so it, you just had a lot of satire of the superhero genre at that time and now we have a bit of both
4: yeah, but now the, you have the superhero genre has kind of come into its own in film. Yeah. And so now when you release the satire, it's way more hard hitting when you're getting, you know, three, four, five superhero movies a year. Well, sure. Uh, you know, where whereas back then we got one every two or three years maybe. Um, so I don't know. For me, it, that's why it's much more relevant now. It's invaded so much more of mainstream. Uh, well, by the early
3: culture. 2000s, it was a joke. Superheroes... And good movies did not belong in the same sentence. So yeah. it was up to Sam Raimi and Brian Singer at the time to prove that they did.
2: Yeah. I just I look at I look at Captain Amazing and I look at Superman and you put the two together and that's Homelander. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much.
4: I mean, really, Captain Amazing is pretty much Homelander. Just with no powers. With no powers, yeah. yeah. I mean, but he can fly. Yeah,
2: it's, it's, it's Homelander's personality and Superman's powers. Right. Really, there exactly. right. you go. And color scheme. And yeah, and costume. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah.
3: All right, guys, that's going to do it for us tonight. We're not really going to rate this movie because we all love it. And I wasn't like a first watch for us. But, of course, if this is the first time you're watching Mystery Men, definitely tell us online. You can comment down below or you can hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you thought of the movie. Otherwise, you can reach us at heroespodcast.com. You can watch us on Twitch every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can follow us individually at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter. You can follow all of our individual shows as well. You can follow Ryan at Buster Props on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. You can follow Derek at the Star Trek Dude, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and you can follow me, Ray at Siren Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is so long. I need to just pre-record it and have it play. We just
4: need one of those like things that scrolls up the screen (laughs) that has all the credits list, please.
3: (laughs) By the way, this is a really fun fact that I noticed in the comment or in the credits of Mystery Men. The opening song has vocals by Will Wheaton. Just true. Just saying. Also,
4: was this Was All Star used in this movie before uh, Shrek used it?
3: It was. What year was Shrek? Also, 1989. Oh, was it also 1999. But $19. so was Rat Race, and that oh, also my. used it. So it's
0: a big.
4: I think Mystery Men won that it won the uh, race on that one. It was Probably. the first one to well, use I t- it. I
2: told Ray that song has only worked in two movies ever, and it's Mystery Men and Shrek. So. Yeah, that's
3: fair. <laughs> All right, guys, we will catch you next week for our Dark Crystal rewatch. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>